And welcome to episode 32 of the Brood Sages. Stormbound players with a head for the game. I am Freeloader. With me, as always, is Sibaiku. Sibaiku, how's it going tonight? Fantastic. And a correction to that, it is early morning for all of us. We are the Brood Sages, easily one of the, one of the, but not the best Stormbound-related podcasts in production. And as a reminder, you can always follow us at Brood Sages on Twitter. Or for all of you who are named MKM, our email address is thebroodsages at gmail.com. So I bring up his name for a very important reason. Guess who our guest host is this week? The one and only MKM. Welcome. Yo, hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome. Glad to have you here again. Yeah, thank you for here again as well. All right, so let's get right into it. Uh, we have some community news as normal. Uh, we have uh, the draft-bound tournament that Reckless told us about uh, last week. Uh, it is still ongoing. It's not finished. Am I correct with that? And MKM has an update for us. MKM, what's going on? Yeah, the draft-bound is still up and running. And, uh, well, there's a lot of things going on in the upper league. Like the round mm -hmm. of four is the, the, the Magi and Thomas Petri, where Thomas Petri advanced to the semifinals. Helios and Fox battled each, each other, and Helios advanced to the semifinals as well. And they also have already fought their match, where Helios uh, stomped Thomas Petri 2 0. And well, I haven't really? seen the match. Yeah, so yeah, Helios is a beast. I've also uh, was put to the loser's bracket by him. And uh, yeah, he is a bully uh, with his uh, drafted deck. <laughs> so he's currently in the finals, just waiting, I suppose. Like in the losers bracket, there's a lot of uh, people who still need to uh, do their uh, matches. None other than uh, Artist Rue, myself, and uh, Undead Ghost, or well, and the losers from the round of four. So I think if Helios is lucky, he can play the finals in about a week or so. <laughs> because everybody in the losers bracket is just uh, trying to battling it out. Yeah, he's gonna and, he's gonna get rusty. Yeah, he will just ignore his deck and then just play something completely else and lose because he doesn't have a really good deck <laughs> and he forgot about how to play it. Yeah, it's gonna be fun and yeah, not much to we add actually. We we also have uh, another tournament that just started up, right? Uh, the Faction Heroes tournament, and you're part of that, right? Tell us about yes. that. Yeah, the Faction Heroes that's just started. I think it was uh, organized by uh, Dirk and S Gamer. Maybe I'm missing someone. Sorry for that. But uh, well, they made a tournament Faction Heroes where you can sign up, or you could have signed up for a faction like Winter Pact, Ironclad, Shadowfen, and Swarm. And you have to battle out in mirror matches against people with the same kingdom and just try to get the most wins. And then the person with the most wins is obviously uh, the champion of Ironclad and the champion of Winterpact and, uh, and so on. So and that's probably to... not a place where Winter is going to be running a lot of like Ice Flakes, for example. That's a lot of Jev bait. <laughs> I think Ice Flakes, <laughs> you can do it, but... You have to have so much balls that uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think you just like every like I'm not sure what cards are like uh, like banned, but I don't think Savannah is banned. So I think you will just see a lot of Savannah's high rolls <laughs> to advantage uh, in the early game. Yeah, it's gonna be Who painful. Draw, whoever draws Savannah first is gonna have a big advantage for sure. Yeah, and everybody mm -hmm. will be packing uh, 
an execution as well because Ice Glacier or Glacier's Palace hmm. will be in every <laughs> deck. So <laughs> it's going to be really mad. I really hope to see some of those matches on uh, someone's YouTube stream someday. Wh which faction are you uh, entered in with? I'm uh, Shadow Van. Yeah, I have been Excellent pretty choice. rusty with uh, equals. Like I think the draft bound was the, the prior dwarf bound like a half year ago was my last equal tournament I participated. So yeah, I just do something I'm comfortable with. And in the past I've did a lot of uh, funky shadow fan high curve decks and went really far into the brackets with uh, everybody's surprise. So I thought like, oh, maybe I can do it again. Maybe people no, forgot. Uh, nice. Well, good luck. You're not playing rain in yours or are you? I have no clue what I'm playing yet. <laughs> I will just swing it when I do a match. I will. Uh, it's like, the rules are very easy. You can just do whatever you want. You can even change, I guess, your deck in between uh, the match. Well, not during the match, but after a match is won or lost, you can just mm -hmm. adapt and then uh, battle it out again. So that's very convenient. Sweet. So I think, yeah, Reign of Frogs is pretty scary with everybody running in uh, Obsidian Butchers. But yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe everybody's at least playing uh, Dote. <laughs> yeah. I, I will give the shout out to Zimu uh, for this because um, A, I think he is he is my personal hero. Uh, but uh, in the first month of memeing in the Heroes League, I queued into him for what must have been like the 12th or 13th time. Uh, and I didn't realize that he had changed his deck. So I saw him drop Bragda, and I'm like, okay, it's now safe for me to play my rain. And the following turn, he completely base locked me with my own rain pieces because of Klaxi. Like, oh, hey, nice. What? 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 <laughs> Where did this come from? <laughs> Klaxi surprise, yo. Yeah. Oh, it was mean. That's painful. Right. So that brings us into uh, our main topic uh, for the week. And our main topic this week is, of course, this is the BS Meta Report episode. I want to know the frequency of what will be facing me. I don't want to waste my time. What a deck that's in its prime. You will never have to guess. Our report is pure BS. BS Meta Report. The BS Meta Report. Uh, we have our meta report for May out. Uh, Sibaiku, would you like to walk me through the frequency? What can we expect to run into? You can expect to run into Ironclad. Ironclad is definitely <laughs> still the most prevalent faction that we're tracking. Um, Swarm is behind it. Winter is behind that. And Shadowfen is coming in as the least played. What's really interesting here is that aside from winter, we're tracking pretty much zero control across the board. Uh, it's really these uh, mid-range archetypes for all four factions that are really dominating. Um, you'll notice with the Ironclad that there is a little bit more of a separation this month between the mid-range and the rush. You've got the slower mid-range decks that are playing siren and loris and hearthguard still also trying to uh just 
keep the opponent at bay and then slam a siren into your base to finish you off. Uh, or the more aggressive versions that don't run siren um, as a, the two major variants. In uh, the mid, that slower mid range archetype is definitely starting to beat out the rush. Uh, for swarm, we're still seeing swarm rush. We always see swarm rush. Uh, it's, you know, I'm sure, still doing pretty well against these slower mid range decks. Uh, but the mid range Zuri variant is definitely taking over, and most of the meta on the swarm side and Shadowfen, it's really just mid range, uh, mostly with Bragda, not so much Bragda and Claxi, I would assume. But uh, yeah, if, no. you, if you're getting <laughs> greedy, definitely surprise your opponent with that. And then on the winter side, it's a pretty even split between mid range and control, with um, I assume. The faster mid-range being mostly Shivana-based. Sorry, I need to get that in. I do, I do. All right. Well, he was going to make a jump. I just, I, I, you know, people ask about Cat Loader all the time. And uh, he's still he's still spry at 16 years old. He can make the jump from the desk to the bed. So I just wanted to give him that. Um <laughs> I, I think it's interesting that we have finally, by the way, this is the third month in a row where uh, Swarm Rush is not the dominant archetype for the faction. Uh, and I find that very interesting. Um, it was, for the longest time, the most prevalent way to play Swarm. And Zuri's change has really brought about, Subaiku and MKM on this, uh, a, 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 a pretty drastic change i think in the identity of the faction i don't think that zuri's change that necessarily did this though like zuri's change was adding vitalize to the mechanic where uh the strength buff as zuri flies over the units that's mm -hmm. not that impactful especially not when you're talking levels four and five that extra one strength to turn it it's nice it's a bonus but it doesn't happen that frequently and it's not that impactful to the game what it really did is just got people to start playing zuri and then people realized how good the dark harvest change was mm. and i think that that's really what makes the archetype work is that dark harvest is a beast of a card right now yeah but it was already pretty old buff to dark harvest right yeah, yeah almost, it was yeah uh, when I was looking at the BS meta reports, I was always was really confused. Like everybody was putting mid-range swarm, like the Suri and stuff, really low. And I was like, why are people doing this? Like I rushed a second player to in the Heroes League the first month with a swarm, Suri, Dark Harvest, all those kind of things. And I don't think like Suri was even buffed by then yet, or was it? No, it was buffed. Yeah, again, yeah. but it, it was even. I was playing Suri before it was buffed, and then Brazosa, and I was like, "Well, you're gonna buff your favorite card in Swarm." Okay, I take it. I take it. It can use a small buff. Why not? So, yeah, I think it's finally catching up to people. How how super strong it is, and especially with the Dark Harvest, you can just chip down and do crazy things. Yeah, you get to chip down your opponent and clear the board of their units at the same time, and that's that's pretty powerful. Yeah, I think that um, Brjoza has kind of hinted at this once or twice, 
that uh, when they nerf cards, the meta team seems to swing a little harder than the nerf really is. And, and I think that case in point on that would be Uvis, right? Like Uvis play rate has dropped off the face of the earth for a, for a card that really, really is still basically just as good as it always was. But the nerf drove kind of everybody away. And I, and I feel like, to, to Sebeka's point, the buff to Zuri might have done the same thing. It, it brought a lot of people to a deck that was pretty good already ever yeah. since the Dark Harvest buff, but nobody was giving it a fair shake. And now suddenly everyone's like, oh, wait, this is this is good. <laughs> now, I will, exactly. I will say the meta is better for that deck right now. Okay. Right? Because things have slowed down dramatically, especially mm. the Heroes League and Diamond. That deck does not play defense very well aside from Dark Harvest. Uh, I've tried slower versions with like Broken Truce for additional defense, but it's not great. Um, you really need to be able to take advantage of setting up your units. You don't have a lot of stuff that moves, right? Like you know, if Doppelbox, Head Start, Lawless Herd, you're playing any of those things you're not playing as much defense against a rush deck as you would like. It really requires you to uh, position well and set up. And that's a lot easier into these slower matchups than it is against a game where your opponent is trying to outrush you nonstop. I think that's true, right? Uh, We're definitely seeing, I believe, a... Uh, an overdominance of mid-range as an archetype right now. And I can't tell yet whether it's intentional uh, that this is kind of what um, Sheepyard's vision for the purest form of play in the game is, or if it's um, just this is what the, these are, this is kind of where we are in terms of balance. Um, But the lack of real rush representation outside of i mean you know there is always some reckless rush um but reckless rush was always kind of special it 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 did well into winter uh control in in, you know surprisingly well for a rush deck um but outside of that there's no shadow fan rush you know really seeing play and and you know obviously no winter rush uh the even the uh ironclad rush is very mid-rangey it's an aggressive mid-range deck. You know, there's differentiation now, but great. Um, and so without a good rush population to prey on, control can queue up and just run into mid-range after mid-range after mid-range. And, and to Sebeko, your point, all, all that's happening is you're definitely trying to control the board as long as you can until you get hit with Siren the first time. And then you realize, well, the next Siren, I'm dead. <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. I think uh, Siren is totally pushing back uh, control decks. Like oh, you, for like, sure. Like, your control decks could just destroy, like, mid-range, but the aggro part of the mid-range decks is so ex- extremely effective with cards like Half Guards and uh, Unstable Bolts. You got the Siren, you got Suri, Dark Harvest, Forgotten Souls with the Bucks buff, and, like, control cannot completely deal with all those kind of things that well. So I think control is, yeah, you're going to get some more greedy. Well, you, we already spoke like the mid range becomes a bit greedy with a card like sign of the seas. 
Yeah. And imagine imagine being in a rush environment where there was a healthy like third of the meta playing rush and you queue up a mid-range deck with Siren in it. Like, when is that going to see play? Never. <laughs> right? right? But there's so little rush right now that you can make that choice. Yep. Right? It just incentivizes the mid-range decks to go greedier and greedier to try to put more value on the board than the other mid-range guys are doing. Right. It's a, um, uh, uh, like a, like a, like a new, uh, like an arms buildup effectively. Right. I need, I need a bigger hitter than my opponent is putting in their deck. Yeah. And I feel that's kind of where we're at right now though. No, right. I have hearth guards. You have hearth guards. Well, let me put a siren on top of it. <laughs> yeah. Do you like me now? And then yeah, you I, just walk like in that. from the middle of the board, <laughs> dealing eight, eight, nine damage, and then just laugh, spend an emotes and. Well, but, but, but it's funny how, um, so, so I've been playing this winter, what I'm calling a winter rush deck, but it's really more of an aggressive mid range. It caps out at five mana. There's two cards at four mana, one card at five mana. Everything else is, there's a single three and it's all, everything else is two and under. The single three is first mutineer to give you an idea of how aggressive this is. Um, and everybody who I showed the deck list to before I started playing said the same thing. It's it, the mana curve's too aggressive. What, what, how are you ever going to survive until the mid game? And I'm like, well, I, I don't need to, <laughs> I can just win before that. Yeah, just go and on and rush. Just go, just go. And that's what's happening right now is it's, it's actually so much of the mid range meta is getting so slow and so greedy that being able to win a game at mana eight or nine is very viable suddenly. Uh, I would not be surprised to see Rush start to to creep its head up. Maybe not yet, but soon. Because what's out there in terms of mid-range is too slow, I think. I don't know, though. The tools to beat back Rush are still there. Hunter's Vengeance is in a lot of these slower Ironclad decks, for example. Uh, Green Gale recently nerfed, but still stupidly strong if you're playing a Rush deck. Um, It's not as easy as you make it sound to outrush these mid-range decks that are greedy on the top end because they do still have a low curve in a lot of ways, too, right? You're You've got your unstable to lock up your your baseline and protect yourself. You've still got, you know, Destructobots, Gifted Recruits, Wild Saber Paws, Green Prototypes. A lot of the deck is, you know, identical to your Rush deck. It is true. No, and that's why I switched to Winter for my Rush was because Mistwives specifically, but now also Sea Dog and uh, Ice Flakes and Ubis. And even Jeff, like I have a bunch of cards that are fairly AOE resistant uh, because going with any sort of swarm rush deck, I was to your point, just Hunter's Vengeance just destroys you. Um, and that's been my attraction to winter lately for trying to find a, a more aggressive solution was at least in winter for some of the low mana cards like Mistwives, I can just put a tank out there that's not getting cleared. Sure. Um, moving on from there, let's take a look at our uh, our strength. Uh, we have a bunch of decks in Tier 1 this month, um, although no one's going to be all that surprised at the order. 
Uh, Sebeko, you want to walk us through it? The king stays the king. Ironclad mm-hmm. still on top. Uh, so what we're seeing is the ironclad mid-range at the top of tier one. Uh, this would be what we're calling the, the slower variant of the ironclad decks, followed by Shadowfen mid-range, Winter Pack mid-range, and Ironclad Rush sneaking in at the bottom. So people are not as high on the Swarm as you are, MKM. Swarm mid-range is the top of tier two. Uh, definitely still a very viable deck, but I think starting to drop off in the power level as uh, Loris becomes a very prevalent tool to counter it. Yeah, it's yeah. a beast, literally. Uh, I- there is a pretty big drop off from swarm mid range to the rest of tier two, but do I have... do agree. I do agree with you, Sebaiku, that Loris might be the only thing that's really holding swarm mid range out of tier one. It's a pretty easy tech card in, and it's a brutal counter. It really is. We do have winter pack control sneaking in to the bottom of tier two, also, and everything else is down in tier three. So really, what we're seeing is a separation with mid-range decks in in tier one slash two seeing a lot of play uh ironclad rush sneaking in there just as strong as as the mid-range variants for the most part and control and rush from any other faction just kind of getting pushed down yeah, bye bye <laughs> yeah swarm control not tier one uh yeah Yet. We do still have our power index as well. Um, It shows this month, however, a pretty uh, uh, tight-to-the-line fit of dots. Um, uh, The the play rates are starting to really match the power levels uh, for each of the decks, which I think is interesting because we had a pretty wide spread last month with it. If there is a deck that is going to be claimed as overplayed, and I know we're not really shocked about this, it would be Swarm Rush. Not yeah. a huge surprise because for people with lower um, level libraries, it is the de facto best archetype to play in the game and be able to be competitive in higher leagues. So, um, oh, aside from that. With that. <laughs> Yep. Even the Swarm Rush is getting a little mid rangier You know, you, you're mm-hmm. seeing less of the straight Reckless Rush and more Reckless Rush with Zuri on top to try to add a little bit of value and a little bit of staying power to the board. Yeah, yeah I even saw Reckless Rush with Bucks, which I was surprised by. But you know what? When you can spam lots of units, Bucks isn't terrible. Yeah, you oh, only need two and one big unit to tank and then... Uh... Mm-hmm. Well, good luck with your Forgotten Souls next turn. <laughs> All right, so overall, guys, um, how do we feel about the meta? I'll, I'll start with MKM because he's our guest host, and then we'll swing over to Sabaiku. Uh, MKM, how do you feel about the meta right now? I think it's, well, it's like two things right at the moment because we are comparing this month with previous month. Mm-hmm. So we have like a few changes where I personally don't think it has been that impactful. Like I remember the swarm callers was buffed. Well, I see it sometimes now, not being really excited about it or like, whoa, now I'm dead because this dude is stacking into swarm callers and whoa, cannot counter it. It's so much value. It's insane. 
<laughs> I don't know what 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 the other Boston nerves are anymore. And the new cards, well, those don't impact the meta that much. But mm-hmm. I think the biggest change as well is the like the whole Hero League's scoring system that has been changed to only lose five uh, or only win a minimum of five crowns, only a maximum or maximum of 10 crowns losses. And that has been a minor spark back from the past where everybody was playing in the playground from Diamond 1. And I think that that's what was most, uh, what I'm seeing the most is like, People are just trying different kind of decks again. I see a lot of more winter packs. And that's also, I think, the people are experimenting a little bit more. The meta is becoming more slow mid-range. So winter pack obviously says, hello, here I am again. Time right. to show you what control can do. And, well, how do you like to play against 40 mana on turn five? That's, uh, I think <laughs> you like it. <laughs> so, yeah, I see a lot of kingdoms everywhere. I see even Klaxis, like Freeload is said. And... It's like, what? why are you a top 10 Hero League player playing Klaxi? Like, I didn't expect <laughs> Klaxi in the top 10, in the top 10 deck, for example. Because and, I can. Yeah, and I think people are a bit more, like, previous month, everybody was like, well, if I'm going to switch out of the meta, well, I'm going to be crazy like the Mirk or something, trying to experiment with a different kind of deck while I'm in the top. Because you can just lose so much and then you have to grind another couple of hours to get back to the same point. And now people are like, well, I can just experiment with switching this card out for something else. And then they find a better local Optima, which is really good because people are now experimenting and differentiating small things into top tier decks. Right. So that was really surprising. And it's super frustrating because... Well, you get your pants down when somebody plays Klaxi. And you're like, oh, come on, dude. Why do you play a Klaxi? I don't like this. And then, yeah, you draw your siren, but and the game continues. But, yeah. yeah. You're in trouble. Basically that. Yeah, and uh, every, no. everyone is running Siren of the Seas. As so a much finisher. Siren. So, so much Loris. Yeah, Loris as well. But yeah, I agree with is, you. Now, experimentation isn't punished as much as it was early on in the Heroes League. You do see people actually trying things out, trying to optimize their decks, which is great to see. And, you know, you're not still not running into a ton of wildly off meta stuff. But as long as it's mostly viable, it's something that you can play. And that's great. That's, I think, where we want to be with the game as players, at least. I don't know what Sheepyard's goal is there. Yeah, I think with a win rate of 66% to actually continue going up, I think that is a lot of safety net for a lot of people and a lot of players who are in the top 50 in Hero League play often against Diamond 1, Diamond 2. So, yeah, oftentimes they don't have optimized decks as well, maxed out cards. So if you are facing them with a tweaked top tier deck, you can still squeeze in a 66% win rate. I want to go back to something you said, though, about the new cards not really impacting the meta at all yet. And I, it's true. It definitely is true. I'm very rarely seeing the new cards. Um, you know, Freeload has been playing with the Ice Flakes because he blew $10 on it and uh, it was burning a hole in his pocket. Uh, and 30 but for, Fusion Stones. But for the most part, 
you know, aside from the the top players who have a ton of gold and a ton of fusion stones, like the Merc making the videos with it, um, you're just not seeing these cards. And I think a big part of that is just how much resources it takes to gather the cards and to get them up to a level on a par with the rest of your collection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, even for people... Well, the Mirag is an exception. Maybe I'm an exception as well. If I wanted, I can get it maxed out easily. But I think even if you just buy a $10 spec, you get like a couple of copies. Well, and then enough maybe if three. you are... Yeah, enough for level 3. So if you are a gold player, you can start having fun with your $10. But if you are actually in the top leagues and or in Diamond or well, everybody's playing level 4 at minimum or... And really need mm-hmm. level fives. Yeah, at that point you can spend ten dollars on it, but then you still have to like, do I want to spend my month worth of fusion stones on this dude to get it on level four or level five, so I can actually be competitive with it? While I don't even know if it is competitive, since well, right. nobody's actually playing it very serious, or you don't have a lot of content creators that have thousands of videos of look this is how i reached hero league number one with ice flakes yeah if, if that is the case then people might be more incentivized but otherwise it's just a very scary investment yeah but this is problematic right so so if i if i consider sort of a long-term view of this game i love the game as it stands but i can't play the game as it stands forever right i'm going to get bored there needs to be change uh, I think the introduction of, you know, two cards a month kind of a thing, maybe three cards a month, somewhere in that range, one card a month every once in a while. So on average, let's call it two. That's 24 cards a year. Um, that should be enough in theory, if they're distributed across the factions, to change the makeup of most of a deck, like 50% of a deck, if they were all synergized. And they're not going to be fine. But still... When there's only 12 cards in a deck, even if I adopt three of them over the course of a year, that's a different looking deck, very different looking deck from right. it what it was. The problem is no one's adopting it at that rate. And it, twofold. One, because a lot of the cards have not been impactful. I'm looking at something like Temple of Space, which is really cool, but also six mana to move units around the board <laughs> is, you know... Uh, it's maybe not, you know, uh, but, but beyond that, I think ice flakes is an impactful card, uh, uh, for, for aggressive winter decks. Um, I've proven it, but yeah. I have, but, but it's not going to permeate the meta because of the economy to Sabaiku's point. And, and, um, we've beaten this topic down to the point where, uh, I actually sat with Sabaiku and we, we, we worked out. A, a, a rule of thumb that we want to propose today, and Kim, I want to get your, your opinion on this. If this is going to work out, if, if, if Sheepyard's investment in this game is going to work, at some point they need to start introducing cards that can shape the meta and change it enough that the game continues to feel fresh so that new players um, have something to aspire towards and and. Um, old players like yourself and even us at this point have something new to want to get and play with, right? If the economy limits the ability of the meta 
to adopt a new card within two months. If, if we can't do that, if the meta can't get a new card and within two months have it permeate through the meta and now everyone's playing it, then all the hard work that Sheepyard puts into designing these wonderful new cards is, is kind of lost because it never actually freshens the game up and, and players will leave out of boredom. I think two months is about the threshold that they should be using. That's the threshold I want to propose, is that two months or less for adoption into the meta is a successful launch of a new card. If the economy doesn't let you do that, you got you, you got to fix the economy. <laughs> yeah, I think it. Yeah, it's a difficult spot. I think if you look at it right now, it can easily take a year. For right. example, take elders. Well, that's maybe even long before, but even felines like saber paws. Mm -hmm. it, it also took more than a year for saber paws to actually uh, get some popularity and. Well, now you see big trust tigers coming into the popularity. So yeah, I think definitely two months is should be. Well, I think we are looking at like diamond and hero league players, right? Well, even even I, below I, that, because yeah. only a only a small percentage are going to buy the packs, right? You know that in an FTP game, it's a it's a single digit percentage of people who play yeah. who pay money in general. I don't know what the numbers are here. So even, even to just get level three cards to play in gold uh, when a new card's introduced, that's, that's, a, that's a high task for, for a high enough adoption rate that it feels like the meta has adopted it. Sebeko, you wanted to say something. No, I'm, I'm in agreement with you on that. It, we are talking mostly about Heroes League and Diamond here because the resources to get the card up to the par with the levels there is pretty intensive. But at least when you're playing in gold, you have the option of spending the money to get it to a playable state. Sure. You don't, you don't really have that option. If you want to play the card at level five, great. I can get my card to level three. That's not three fifths of the way there. That's about a third of the <laughs> yeah. way there. You need so many copies and you need so much gold to go from level four to five. It's more intensive than going from levels one through four combined. Correct. Yeah, I you think need more copies from four to five. Then. Yeah, yeah. So that actually disincentivizes people to spend the $10 when they're playing at the higher leagues. Because they're like, well, why bother? I'm spending $10 on something I still can't even play yet. It's fair. I, yeah. I want to adopt these cards, right? Like, I spent the $10. I then put 30 Fusion Stones into it to get it to four because I want to adopt these cards. I want to champion them when they come out. Um, I'll break the bank. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and, and on top of that, I'm fighting an uphill or, you know, upstream battle here. I, I'm one of the few people willing to do that this month. Um, I'm but a drop in the sea. And if we want the meta to really adopt these cards, they need to be much more accessible. Um, so moving on from there, card diversity is kind of one of the things that we want to touch on. I think this touches on it a little bit. But the other thing I wanted to touch on with card diversity was um, we still have a lot of guns, and, and I don't think that is necessarily going away. I do think we've seen a drop in the guns for, for the three mana slot, Sabaiku, MKM. Uh, we're not seeing as much MERS, and in, and in fact, yeah. I wouldn't even say that Westwind Sailors has taken over that spot, but I'm seeing a lot of faction three drops instead. Yeah, yeah and I think Big Trust Tigers takes mm -hmm. in some uh, love as well as a two-drop. But yeah, 
I don't see often that many tree drops. Yeah, you always have your green gale and right, of course, and and uh, uh, heliotroopers. Um, the five drop spot. I think if there's one spot where we're going to point at and say the, the, the you know where where are we still seeing a lot of guns? Yes, we got rid of Ubis, and kudos to Sheepyard for that. But Loris just basically slid right into the same spot. And I'm a little concerned that we're going to play a game of whack-a-mole where the play rate of a five-mana neutral just skyrockets to the point where Sheepyard feels like they have to nerf it just to get the play rate down to a, a, a manageable level. And when I look at like four drops, for example, MKM, you play one of the few factions that likes neutral four drops. Uh, nobody else does. Scrap Planners is out there. Toad Witches is out there. Uh, Javana is out there. All the other factions have really good four drops. Your Zuri deck runs Edric. Edric yes. is a very good, legendary, neutral, very strong. But all the other factions have such good four drops that it doesn't matter that Edric is good. They prefer what they have in their own faction. We don't have that with five drops as much, right? Five drops. Yeah, we got Elof, Zuri. Mm -hmm. But yeah. yeah. Not so much you know, uh, on the Discord, Kitty actually posted a really interesting graph of number of cards by mana level. Ooh. And you can see a smooth curve, you know, obviously one, there's not too many one mana cards, but starting mm -hmm. with two and coming down as the mana cost increases, you get fewer cards, which makes sense because you don't need as many cards at nine mana because not too many people are playing a ton of nine mana cards. <laughs> what um, <do> you mean? <laughs> but there's in the graph, there's a dip there at five mana. There are just fewer five mana cards in the game. Than you would than you would expect based on you know how many four mana cards in the game there are for example, so just having a little bit less of a pool to draw with at five mana, having some of those cards be limited function. I'm thinking like Shadowfen cards like Obsidian Soul Butchers, Crushers. Soul okay. Crushers, yep. Uh, yep. Amber Hides, right? Like oh right, yeah, yep. Amber yep. Amber Hides and Obsidian Butchers. You're not playing except for in a very specific kind of deck, for mm -hmm. example. They're not like a uh, fluffy bad box. It's what you could just throw in wherever, and it's kind of okay. <laughs> yeah, um, so Fluffy's I, a specific I, kind of deck, but okay. I was going to say heroic soldiers, and I was like, no, no, wait, go with the good no. one. <laughs> um, even something like Harvesters of Souls. Harvesters of Souls is a great card, and it's a fun card to play. It doesn't go right. in every kind of deck. You can't no. just slot it into that five-mana spot and have it work out. Most likely a winter pack deck. Right, exactly. Something that something wants draw. That, something that wants late game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then you look at well, Loris. I can kind of put in any kind of deck, and if my opponent doesn't play around it, it'll get some value. If my opponent does play around it, it's still just you know a ten-one, which is fine. Ubis, yeah, I can just jam it in kind of any kind of deck, and maybe it's ninety percent as good as it was a few months ago, but. That's still good enough. It's still gonna. It's really good. It's still gonna do something when I play it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I, um, I think that the limited pool combined with some of those being highly specialized just leads you toward. Well, I'm gonna play the same one or two cards, and that's it. Right, and this get this brings us full circle right back. Right, even if tomorrow Sheepyard says, "Got it, Kitty. Thank you for this data. Here is a awesome uh, five mana." swarm card 
or, or, or shadow fan card, whatever it is, we're going to try to take some of the play rate away from Loris by introducing new really good five drops for each faction because there's not enough in the game. It's going to take months for that to actually ripple through, right? Like not two months, not three months. It's going to take a long time for new five drops to come through. And if yep. it's a legendary, Oof. even oh. more. Right? Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. I yeah, think no, that's they a really need good to point. Continue like the small nerfs on the neutrals, like they did on Ubas. I do like it, but I do think they need to look even more into how can we actually make the five drops kingdom specific, like very useful. Like Obsidian Butchers is a really obvious place, but a card mm-hmm. like Petrified Fossils. <laughs> <laughs> a card like, like what? I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's even older than us. No, it doesn't. This card doesn't have a place in existence. Yeah, and no, yeah. Things like that. It's just like well, we need to, if you want to diversify, diversify the decks. Like go wild with command, everything swarm related. So like token swarm command, like Forgotten Souls and Herald's Hymn are only focused on. Well, I put a big ass unit on your baseline, and now you're dead. Well, Petrified Fossils looks like a card like, all right, let's just command everybody forward. My Dread Fawns, my my everybody. Yeah. So if you it's can try to... Yeah, the, the, the whole card needs to be re- <laughs> redone to make it something like that work. But if they use those five drops to actually make an impactful change where you open up a whole new deck, uh, art, deck uh, art style, Mm-hmm, then you can mm-hmm. actually yeah experiment a bit more and the advantage of having those buffing those kind of cards is people already have copies for it right 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 uh and i think that's i think that's kind of the the situation we're in right now right until the economy gets fixed the balance changes have to have to handle refreshing the meta introducing new cards won't do it because of well, how onerous the economy is. So it has to be either, you know, buffs to existing cards or nerfs to existing cards. And as much as I'm happy that Ubis got nerfed and I'm happy with the nerf, if they now nerf Loris and Siren, it's just going to feel like there's just a general deflation of power within the game, which, I mean, you know, is fine. I guess it's better than power creep, but is it really what... Is it really what we want for the game? Yeah, it's tricky. But you don't yeah. want yeah. to have overpowered cards. No, you, no. You don't so, want overpowered cards, but you don't want to introduce new... You don't want to introduce a new meta. You don't want to introduce variability in the game and refresh the game by just decreasing the power level of, of the cards. Yeah. I think it's just also painful, great. right? You, you you have spent like freeloaded us every month on something... And then it just gets crushed into the ground. Like, all right, now you have to try something else again. Hope mm-hmm. you enjoyed the investment of all your fusion stones on it. There, there you go. A way to get Shadowfen away from playing Loris. Make Chestnuts 5 mana. That, that'll work great. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, all right. We ask this every week. Uh, let's ask it again. How's the game going for you? MKM, I know a couple of months ago, you actually reached out to us via email and asked for ideas on uh how someone as old and 
and curmudgeon as yourself in this game could um, feel uh, refreshed and renewed in it. Uh, we gave you some ideas uh, playing an alt account and stuff like that. Um, how's the game for you right now? Uh, yeah, it's getting better. Like the Hero League adaptation was pretty tough. Like I was looking for something new. And when mm -hmm. Hero League's game, it just removed the thing I liked the most of Stormbound. And it was the, it was the playground. So mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. like, yeah, here you got some Hero League. And then it was like, what? What did you do? <laughs> did you just destroy my baby? Like, <laughs> thanks, Cheap Yard. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was something different. But I do like to tend to do the hero race to Hero League every early mm -hmm. month. So, well, things like that just... It's only one day investment and you just go try to reach Hero League, the first player in the world. But also trying out more tournaments at the moment, like the draft bound and picking these kind of things up and have a lot of fun in the Gold League with my alt account. And, nice. Uh, I think that's the best, just starting out a whole new account. And it's very interesting since like the economy is in a bad spot if you want to go from level three to level five. Mm -hmm. But when I started this game out, it was horrible to get to level zero or level one or no collection mm -hmm. to level three. Like the the onboarding and getting all those cards and all yeah. different kind of combinations, which you won't likely use anymore in the Hero League. You can just try and experiment in in the Gold or in the Silver League and just have so much fun. So that is really good. So hopefully uh, they can also uh, smoothen that out for uh, the Platinum uh, League. Which, uh, and Diamond just... in HL, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and Diamond, Sebeku, yeah. how, about, how about for you? How's the game going? You know, uh, we've really covered a lot of it already. It's, um, it's still fun. It's very enjoyable to play in the Heroes League. Um, I don't race up there like MKM does, but I've been getting there in in the first week or 10 days, taking my time. Uh, but it is a lot of fun to play a game with stakes. For me, Diamond 1 was was enjoyable, but I, I do like adding the tension of the win and, wins and losses being meaningful. Um, and definitely losing a game makes me want to queue right back up and get another win to try to make up for it. Um, so I do enjoy the Heroes League, although I am worried, like we talked about, get the meta getting stale. Um, and, and I hope that there are ways to fix that or, yeah, prevent, um, or prevent that. I, I always try to look at momentum. Where Where is not just where we are, but where are we moving towards, right? And I look back a year ago, there was no daily rewards for logging in. I could watch an ad and get a free card and that was it. Um, the drop rate, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but it seems like the drop rate for fusion stones is up from where it was last year. I am I am hitting fusion stone drops in my packs, not all the time. It's still pretty rare, but it ain't as rare as it used to be. Um, so, so the game feels like they are giving me more for playing, which I love. Um, so I like the way we're moving. It's the velocity, right? It's the, the direction's great. It's a question of velocity at this point for me. Um, but I am finally able to make Heroes League with a second uh, uh, faction. 
which is a huge step up. Uh, only having Shadowfen was not painful, but worrisome. Uh, luckily, I I could make a you know a ping deck. The the Make Nuts Great Again deck last month was a lot of fun, just because it didn't feel like Shadowfen Rush. Uh, uh, and so now finally having a second faction is a huge help. Um, and 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 I really hope that uh, we can find a way so that everyone can at least have, you know, two factions, three factions would be fantastic, four factions is greedy, but some diversity within what they choose to play. It's hard right now to know how much of the meta's unwillingness to shift more is really about a lack of library diversity. How many people have specialized their collection in just one yeah. spot? Um, and, you know, that's understandable. So like, we did it, right? Absolutely. We did it with Shadowfen um, because that's how you got to go. But if you want to get to the highest leagues as quickly as possible, that's how you do it is you, you specialize in one faction. Um, and I'm not upset that I did it and I'm, thankful that i'm just about to the point where i can start doing it with a second class but although trust me once once i get to heroes league this this deck is going to get hammered i know it <laughs> i will be waiting for you <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm sure you will actually zuri swarm is its worst matchup by far um all right so add loris add loris level three loris <laughs> oh um, eat it <laughs> Uh, because MKM is our guest host, he chose our card of the week this week, which is, of course, Embers of Chaos. Yes. Uh, MKM, give us the lowdown on Embers of Chaos. So, Embers of Chaos, that's an uh, ironclad card, and rarity is epic, four mana. It has one strength buddy, and it stays one strength uh, for the eternal of its leveling steps, and its movement is one. And the most interesting is obviously the effect. When this dies bordering the enemy base, spawn a 6, 7, 8, 10, 12 strength dragon at the enemy baseline. And uh, well, it has been changed once, if I remember it correctly. But uh, well, not much has actually happened there. It's just a little bit of its uh, strength and its ability has been, uh, has been lowered or in increased. Uh, yeah, what I like the most about this card is because I could have designed it and it's named after me. So, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> like an easy pick, right? If you have, <laughs> have the option for that as well. So I'm curious to hear what you guys think of uh, the card I helped uh, design uh, a lot with. It's a fun card to play. It, it's really unique in that you want to rush it down to the, your opponent's baseline but then once it gets there it's just one strength it doesn't do anything it's a value play after you've already made the tempo plays to rush down um and when it goes off it's just phenomenal you know putting a, a giant dragon at your opponent's baseline basically puts them on a clock and it says, all right, you've got this little one strength dragon down there, <laughs> but beat me before this beats you. <laughs> yeah. Like a time to click for a bomb. <laughs> I, I personally love death rattles. I think death rattles are much more interactive 
Um, they don't do anything right away, so your opponent has the opportunity to respond to them and to play around them. Maybe I'm playing Freeze and I can silence the Death Rattle. Maybe I'm playing Convert. Um, whatever it is, right? I have options with Death Rattles. Uh, um, on play effects, there's no counterplay. You, you've played it. Loris does what it does. I can't stop it. At least with Loris, I control the positioning of my own units. Um, I think part of what bothered everybody about Ubis so much was just there was no way to play around it. You just Your opponent played Ubis and pings happened. Um, so I love the concept of there being more of these kinds of cards. Cards that you play to pose a question to your opponent, right? Here it is. What are you going to do about it? Yep. Uh, uh, that kind of interactivity I find incredibly fun in card games. And I wish, uh, you know, if there was a direction, if, if Sheepyard ever asked me, hey, Sabaiku, <laughs> hey, Freeloader, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, you know, what would you like to see more of? I would love to see more of either new mechanics or, or these kinds of on-death effects. On-death effects to me, make the game interactive and everybody wants to play a fun and an interactive game. <laughs> yeah. As a player, I prefer the on play effect because oh, yeah, much more I, I want it to do something when I play it. I want to see the value as an opponent. I like to see the on death effect because then at least I get to stop and think, okay, what can I do about this? Or do I just ignore it and just say, all right, you, you spent four mana putting one strength at my baseline. I'm just going all in here. Right, exactly. Um, you know, like, perfect example, you play Embers, I play Clerics with Chords. You're very sad. If Clerics with Chords was a death rattle, convert a bordering unit, right? Now you play Embers and you think, well, I don't want to put something right next to it that's big enough to kill his Clerics. There's this counterplay, right? Play to counterplay kind of play. And now suddenly I've got to find a way of killing my own clerics to remove the value. Like that, that's what I want to see more of. That that's fun. Um, but as it currently stands, clerics with cords ruins this card. <laughs> Luckily it's not a meta card being played right now, but clerics is really rough. <laughs> but the funny thing is you say like it ruins the card, but for example, both are maxed out then it's the mm -hmm. biggest uh, strength differences. You mm -hmm. play four mana, six strength, and you get a converted card of one strength. Yippee! <laughs> That's, like, the, the ironic thing was when designing this card as well, is like, oh, I'm favored to know to be a control player. Mm -hmm. So I needed to design a card that was a bit more aggro. So I'd like, all right, I just want to be an aggro card, which is really slow. Well, here's Embers of Chaos. <laughs> like, you have to wait a whole turn to actually put in the pressure on. And I was also playing a lot of uh, well, Shadow Fan Convert. I really do enjoy Shadow Fan Convert, and it is dropped a little bit. But I think it's also because of Loris makes it a bit more difficult now. And, well, people just forgot about how to play Convert decks, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> it's just in a forgotten realm, in a forgotten space. So I just wanted to, like, if I'm a rush player, well, I don't want to completely devastate someone's rush by converting a really strong undeath effect. Like, if you have dragons and you convert a spare dragonling, which dies the turn afterwards, like, That's nice. well, yeah. GG, you swing the game so much. But converting this card isn't 
swinging that much. It feels no. sometimes even well, you if you use an curse of strings or blood ministers to convert the numbers of chaos, like even Oof. as the defending player, you would just feel like I'm scammed. Like I'm converting <laughs> a one strength dude, but that's the only option I have to deal with this right. card. I'm gonna deal You'll with just it. Wait but... Five turns. When it's right. on your baseline, exactly. I'll be yeah. laughing. Yeah, I'm gonna protect it all the way down the board. That's how we're gonna do <laughs> yeah. this. Escort it. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's gonna end the main portion of this episode, which means it's time for me to remind you to please contact us, preferably in our channel on Stormbound Discord server or Twitter at Sages. You can email us at thebroodsages at gmail.com. We also have an additional way for you to reach out and support us. We did start this Gumroad account where you can become patrons of our work. Check out the link on our Stormbound Kitty page. This week we did hear from Nightly Herb, who reminds us, kindly link Reckless's guide on Stormbound Kitty for us. We forgot to put it in the show notes last week, and I'm so sorry about that, Nightly Herb. That is my fault. Um, but that uh, I will rectify it this time, I promise. Uh, and that's going to do it for this episode. For Subaiku, I am Freeloader. We are the Brood Sages, reminding you to stay hydrated. Thanks, MK. <laughs>